Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. That's right. We are here and we're going to talk about Fritz Basket season three. We survived it in the prelude. <laughs> and it was released. Well, wait, hold on. We didn't up? really do an intro. I know. <laughs> you guys jumped in. Yeah. But I always want to tell everybody we jumped into this without any chit chat before we recorded, even. <laughs> We had to record fast because we were already talking about it. Yeah, totally. What happened? We planned to do this about a month ago or mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. And then I watched it. Santos didn't have much time. I avoided it. She avoided it because she didn't want the series to end. <laughs> it was fresh in my mind after I watched it all. And then I had to wait like another week or two. I can't believe you did that because if I watched it first and you hadn't watched it, I would have been screaming. Oh, the problem (laughs) is, it's just like I had to wait. So I waited and like it wasn't fresh in my brain. I had to like rewatch it. He has watched this twice now. now I've watched it twice. I am Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. Let's just go through all the deets before we get into the continuation or the end of the series. And our feelings about it. Yeah. It was in 2019 sometime. They announced it. And I'll admit, I f***ed myself when I found out they were remaking this. Oh, like when they originally... Yeah. You're right. When season one of this... That was 2019. So -hmm. when we talked about this before, it's pretty much... We're doing series specials right now because we always just do a one-off of Fruits Basket. Yeah, and we watched season one and we watched the previous version, season one. I think that was our episode. Yeah, and then we watched season two and we called it Fruits mm-hmm. Basket Still Addicted. Yeah. And so this is the conclusion of it, which is pretty sad. Yeah. Anyway, so it does continue off as 13 episodes. I was so happy because the other ones were about like 25 to 30 episodes yes. or something. Mom. So I was very excited about that. There was written by Taku Kishimoto and the music was by Masaharu Yokoyama. And let me see if he did the original one. They did not. 
I don't know who did the original one because I tried to find it right before this. It doesn't show it on the wiki. It's even harder to find the original soundtrack on YouTube because the newer one is just littered all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have to look for the dates that has like it was uploaded 10, 15 years ago. So So anyway, it's kind of like continuing straight off of season two and it's discussing how Toru trying to find a way to actually break the curse and it's around that time when I can't remember his name now the rooster oh yeah spoiler city yeah we're not holding back so get ready starts off with Korno explaining himself to Toru in the park And he's like discussing why he can't see her friend anymore and exactly what the curse is going and why he's still kind of with her. And then he explains that he is no longer cursed. So there is actually potential and hope that the rest of the Soma family won't be cursed too. Wait, so, okay, there's so much weird details so he meets the friend they have a connection he but he is currently cursed when he meets her and then it breaks no so he has for a while it's been broken for a while for about a decade or so since he was a teenager i thought he turned into a nope Oh, so even at the summer house thing, he wasn't. No, he was never cursed. So he had, he was the first one, but he would never abandon Akito. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So he was explaining this to Toru that he can't abandon her because I know Akito is a girl. So we were kind of wrong about that. Raised as a boy because her mom is psycho. Yes. Yes. She's a narcissist to say the least. She's like insane. <laughs> so just really cruel. Like there wasn't a lot of redeeming. They did not give her any redeeming factors. Just, she was very in love with her husband. It seemed like, but then once the baby came, she just got really jealous and weird about it and was like, I don't know why he went along with the baby being raised a boy. I mean, he was half dead anyways. He was like terminally ill. Yes. But why? They didn't explain it. Okay, I, I guess, you know what? A lot of things don't need to be over-explained, and that was my biggest yeah. complaint about certain series and other things like that, that sometimes I feel like a lot of things are really over-explained in a lot of movies and series. This one does not. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good balance, positive. right? Yeah, yeah. But so it seemed like he, yeah, they didn't go into detail why he was for it. But that's what they did. Anyways, which only probably made Akito's life a lot stranger. And the weird thing is she wasn't like raised as a boy and like nobody knew. Like the first five kids were, was it four or five of them? Like Shigure and that group. They were children when she was born. So they knew she was a girl the whole time. Yeah. So what a weird secret when it's like people already know. (laughs) So it's very odd. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, right? It's strange. There's a lot of like loose ends, like I said before, and yeah. I guess I'll have to accept it because the rest of the slow is dead. I know. That's what I mean. It just shows how they're very like, well, this is what we're told. 
So this is what we'll do. Like they didn't really fight or question it too much. Yes. I'll tell you something. When my family, and it was a Japanese saying, pretty much means like, so be it. (laughs) You know, here they are, they're in an internment camp and stuff like that. Mm. And the only thing they can say is like, well, life goes on, so be it. Like it is what it is. Yeah. And so I believe... That's kind of like a traditional thing in Japan. That's fair. But I also think there's a traditional thing of like of authority in the family. So it's like you don't question certain people. Yeah, there's that too. They were kids. They weren't going to push back against things. Yeah. Okay. So we could go to a whole entire different tangent into that too. Yes. So yes, it just goes right into that like Akito is a girl and there's this big family secret and the fact that the other secret is this guy Karno is also the curse is broken but we don't know how we don't know it how. just broke one day and Taru is the only one that's outside the family that knows the secret and she is troubled with the whole entire thing thinking that well I can't tell everybody else this secret so she really can't talk to Shigeru about it because Shigeru just figured that there's something different about him, but he didn't know exactly if the curse was broken. But they're also connected. He could tell something was up. And so, yeah, like she had to keep the secret from the family because the family didn't know even, except for, like you said, Shigeru had a hunch something was up um, because they sense it. They always say, like, oh, your eyes look different. Yeah, something's different about him. We don't see it. It's not visual in the animation. Their eyes don't change or anything. You see, there's all these questions I still don't know exactly. When I rewatched it, it kind of like brought up some things. But let's just put it out there, too, that Shigeru, throughout the whole entire series, he has a way bigger role than in the original series, where in the original series, he kind of was like, Kind of like a clown. Yes, very comic relief. A little bit of wisdom here and there, but mostly just like silly. Silly, goofy, just being a goofball and stuff. Where this one, he is setting up for something that nobody knows about. Yeah, he's like masterminding things. He's masterminding and just being pretty much a dick the whole entire time. And self-aware about it. Like he's like, so I'm not a good person. (laughs) He's just like pushing people's buttons. Yeah, which in a way I didn't like that, but I get it because he was kind of pushing something along, which I don't even know if he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, like it was felt kind of intuitive for him or something. And he is interesting. And I guess we learn a little bit more about him. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of just a one line. It's like the first time that all the Zodiac characters or animals are actually alive at one time and so mm-hmm. maybe that's why some people are breaking the curse or something or another but they don't really get into that <laughs> that was all. my guess because that was shiguri's guess like it wasn't like a but it was kind of like oh it could be this <laughs> yeah exactly it wasn't like oh one day this thing was said to happen after 200 years like, there's no lore or anything like that 
Well, and the main reason why Taru really wants this curse to be broken is because she also knows that at by the end of high school that Kia will be in this thing that they call the cat house which is pretty much him in jail. Yeah, it's just a jail on the property. Which just sounds so inhumane. Like, what the hell is going on? Is it because they're worried he'll transform into that monster thing? Yeah, I think so. So he's to lock him up forever? Like, it doesn't really make sense, like, that he's been able to just be free until he's 18. And I was like, if I know I was going to go to jail after high school, I just wouldn't go to high school. Like, why would I put myself through that? You see, here's like more questions. Maybe like by the time he hits a certain age, he only turns into that monster. I don't know. It's also his character being the cat has always been the one that they can all ostracize and direct their hatred towards. So he's just always filled that role for the family. For some parts of the family, yes, definitely. He was never allowed at the banquet because they always said that the cat mm-hmm. wasn't invited to the banquet because My of the rat. My parents told him, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be alive. You're terrible. Like his mom, his dad, like he's got a lot of, you know, beliefs that he shouldn't be here. Definitely. And so there, there's a lot of that. He, and the whole entire thing is Akito said, if you could defeat the rat then I'll accept you as a part of the family and you will not go into this weird cat thing. Yeah. But that was kind of like Akito's lie, right? Well, a lie, pretty much. Like she wasn't really going to go. So she set them up against each other. Yeah, she set them up, but she also knew that Kyo would never be able to defeat him. I think that's the whole entire thing. Yeah. Because Yuki is always this multi-talented, athletic person where Kyo is just, he has a good heart. (laughs) He seems like he's very athletic. He's athletic, but he's never going to be amount to how talented It's because he's hot-headed, he can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think Yuki just stays cool under pressure. Exactly. So you're never going to beat someone who can stay that even-keeled. So I think this season is interesting for a show because... It's not like, I mean, there is action. So I don't want to say there's not a ton of action. There are some moments, but a lot of it is the is the plot is untangling and revealing a lot of the inner workings of everybody and like their relationships with each other. Right. And a lot of trauma going on oh, through the so whole so much. You should have a trigger warning on oh, here. Like my it's God. So, oh, dark. Yeah, I thought season two that had some dark moments this really just gets into the rest of it it's just like okay. i don't recommend binging it i did <laughs> i watched it in just a couple of days oh i did take a break at one point to watch the last few episodes so i was like yelling it to catch you before i even finish it now that i finished it i understand some of the pieces that i didn't get but it's still it was a lot and i read this in one of the reviews about the manga like very briefly i didn't read deep read this Every parent is like a monster. Like not every parent. There's like two families that are seem okay. But for the most part, everyone's families are just like so atrocious. And it made me think of like 80s movies where like the parents are always one dimensional bad guys. Like who never grow as people. (laughs) That's very true. It seems like I can't remember that one kid's. He was the lamb. Uh, not Kisa. Well, Risa. Is he the one with Risa? Kisa? Kisa. Yeah. Uh, Her like, mom you know, seems nice. You know, he was the ram or sheep. His parents were very loving. They were very loving. Yeah. Risa, and, she ended up, she was living with his, his parents. 
Remember? Because her parents uh, couldn't handle it. Oh, is that why she didn't speak? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Remember, she didn't speak, right? She talked. But then, only because of Toru, I thought. Oh, you mean Kisa? Kisa. That's what I mean. Isn't Kisa's family nice? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. She just was real shy. Yeah, but I think her parents were overprotective or something like that. But they weren't like name calling her. No, no, no. And if you think it's just the Soma family that has terrible parents, nope. Because it's also the parents of almost everybody. Because the side characters who I still not a huge fan of. What's the one that was in high school? The one in the club with Yuki with the gray hair? Machi. Yeah, Machi. The, wait, like, does she have gray hair? Like dark gray? Yeah. Her parents are real mean too. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. They like assumed she tried to murder her brother. So is she the treasurer? Yes, that's the okay. one. And she's like quiet and... Very quiet. Yeah, so... Her parents were atrocious too. Just so you know, I'm not saying just the Soma family's parents were. Yeah, but you also learn a little bit more about the Soma family. I mean, they are like filthy rich. They are kind of royalty in a sense in this world that the author has created. Mm-hmm. And there's like a big lineage and a, a huge family. It seems like like hundreds of Somas. I they was curious because there's some interdating amongst the somas and i'm like is it because they're like like cousins of cousins of cousins so it doesn't matter i'm assuming yeah i'm just hoping only because it's like haru and rin are together and you see that's the whole entire thing i'm thinking as soon as they're like a zodiac member they become a soma or something oh you don't think they're like i don't think so i don't know it seems like they're all part of that compound they are, but I think they get accepted into the compound. Okay, questions, yeah. I don't know. These are all things I don't know. She creates such an interesting world so it makes you think about it in all these different ways. So it's not I'm not trying, It's not poking holes in it. It's just like... How does this all work? I was just curious. I was like, are they cousins? Are they extended? Is Soma like a title for a certain... Like, is it kind of like, um, I don't know, Europe... Do you know, like, there's like a lord and a lady, and then there's like a village, and so it's not necessarily you're all related, but you're part of that. That's what I'm assuming. Clan or whatever. So I was just assuming they are not blood related, just part of the village or whatever. I'm assuming, but fancier than a village because they're rich, <laughs> filthy rich. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but mean, filthy rich and mean. But really mad about this curse. Akito is like atrocious talk about atrocious parents i mean she had a a very nice dad he loved her very much her mom is terrible she still lives like on the grounds but they keep them separate because she's so mean and they just get into these terrible fights akito just either is crying or screaming or hurting somebody like those are her three temperatures um that was very annoying well akito first off is really jealous of women in the zodiac yeah, she's so mean. It's so funny because people don't want to be like their parents. Like her mom was mean to her and then she maintained to be mean to all the girls. I'm like, you're being just like your mom. <laughs> and I think it makes sense because she was forced and raised to be a boy. So she never got to be a girl. You figure... Yeah, she was... Yeah. Yeah, so you 
therapy this whole entire Lots of, yeah because she was really against Rin and I think Rin represents the most feminine sexy woman in the yeah. kind of series do you know what I mean like she's right. very independent and it seems confident of herself and that's who Akito really like tears apart in this last season well season two she was in the hospital too I think oh yeah you're right so she's in the hospital in season two and then she ends up Back in the hospital in season three. No, she ends up in... They have to hospitalize her afterwards, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So where were we? It's hard to piece it all together, even though it was a very straightforward ending. It's just because of all the things that kind of happened. So let's just say that like there was kind of a climax where... Akito realized that she was losing all the connections of her being a god and being so special. And it was really affecting her to the extent where she knew that... I can't remember his name again. The rooster? Yeah. Karuna? Uh, Is it Karuna? I don't remember either. She realized that he was just... I mean, she kind of knew. But he was just with her because he felt bad for her. (laughs) Yeah, he deeply cared about her and he had a lot of compassion for her. But I guess it does kind of feel like pity, which doesn't feel that great either. But his heart really was connected to her. He felt for her a lot. Corno? Yeah, Corno. Corno. So she knew that. And she also knew that all these other people in her family that are supposed to be worshiping and loving her are giving all this love to Toru instead. And it's creating a lot of jealousy in her because she always said, well, we're all connected and you all love me more than anybody because I'm your God. Yeah. But I just think she's got it all wrong though. Cause she never was nice ever. Even as a kid, she wasn't nice to anybody really. Well, she was never raised properly. I mean, her dad was so... I guess she was sweet when her dad was alive. But she seemed happier. And then she seemed like she liked some of them. Which she did. She liked the older ones better, it seemed like. Because they were still closer to her. But then she just felt like she was entitled. All of this love, no matter what. Like, unconditionally. Which, you know, great. But not if you're just going to be a terrible, controlling, manipulative person. Because she was like pitting them against each other or, you know, telling them you had to stay with me. Like, didn't she like torture Yuki? Like, isn't that revealed in the first season? Yeah. Yeah. And then they slowly are like moving away. (laughs) Like some of them are like moving away, like Shigure, which I think that really broke her heart at one point too. Because you see them as kids professing their love to each other. Yeah. Really interesting, but um, I have to kind of wonder about that, too. It was creepy. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to put it in there. Creepy is exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's a certain amount that knows she's a girl from birth because they sensed her arriving because they were like four or five years old, like that age. They knew about the pregnancy basically before the mom did. So there was like this connection pre being born, but she was hooking up with some of them. Yeah. She got older. Right. The mom, the mom and Akito. Right. 
So I thought that was kind of gnarly. Okay, so I kind of think that, okay, the father that really, truly loved Akito died like when she was like five or six, I'm assuming. Yeah, at the oldest. At the oldest, five or six, maybe eight. And all of a sudden, she became the head of the family. And then you have all these yes men around you saying that you're this god or or not yes men, but they're pretty much what you would call. No, you're right. Servants, yes men. And also, like you said, her dad told her over and over again, like, you're going to be loved. You're going to be cherished. You're going to have this. And she wasn't getting it. So I think she was trying to get it how she thought, which would be strong arming people into loving her. Right, exactly. And so not just being told that you're nothing but special and you're this, and then you have these maids and everything saying the same exact at a young age, this shows how unhealthy it really is. <laughs> right? It was very And then it just highlights, like you were saying, her jealousy of Toru, which I didn't... Okay, put a pin in it. I didn't understand at first, like... I don't know why it took me so long to be like, oh, in this season to be like, Toru is such a disruptor to this family because she's so kind and it's, she's so easy to love. And I'm like, no wonder Akita was starting to go crazy about it. Cause she's like, this stupid girl is just showing up and everyone's just loving her and she's nobody. Like she doesn't do anything. She's not like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like she's some special talented person or something like that, but she's just so kind and caring. And Akita doesn't know how to be like that. Yeah, exactly. But it's also what Yuki was saying is she was the one that was caring when their parents weren't. So yeah. she like was giving in the love that they always wanted. Well, the ones that didn't have good parents or... Almost all of them. So it's like she stood in in some way, shape or form for all of them to be just like an empathetic ear, like where she would listen to them or just, you know, do something nice that was just for them and really had no motives. She wasn't trying to manipulate them or anything like that. Yeah, so Akito was super jealous and it got to this climax where there is this weird MacGuffin thing that supposedly had the secret to... Oh, the box? Yeah, to break the curse. Mm -hmm. And when Rin went to go get it, she got in trouble and got put into the cat cage, cat house thing. I think it it's funny. Isn't there. cat house like another term for like a... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, they call it so the cat house. It that way. <laughs> but it's called the cat house, right? Like all of a sudden everyone's like, where's Rin? And it's like, I don't know how long she was in there, days, weeks, just in a jail inside a house on the Soma property. Like bars, like the whole deal. Like, And she's just starving to death in there. Well, she's refusing to eat. Yes, she's starving to death. I don't know if she's refusing to eat. That's what the maid said. Oh, that woman, I thought she was sneaking her food. She was. She was trying to make her eat, but she wasn't doing it. Oh, I thought like Akita wasn't even letting her eat. Uh, <laughs> like, well, oh, you know, may, you know, maybe. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I, don't, I told I you, I watched this fast. So people are going to be screaming about this. Be like, no, it's okay, she's right. No. Well, so, who knows? Whatever. I mean, who found? It found was, uh, what's his her. name? Cor uh, Corino? Corino. Yeah, oh, because he was like, her. what's going on here? So he like. He saw the maid go towards the cat house. And he was like, what's going on? And then. She kind of tried to get out of it and said, oh, blah, blah, blah. So this is where everything starts turning 
because Corno yeah. went against Akito's wishes because of the whole entire thing. And then this is where like Akito kind of flipped her lid yeah. to an extent and hurt him really badly. And then said, okay, well, I need to go get revenge. I need to kill Toru too. Yeah, she tried to kill him. She stabbed him in the back when he gave her a hug. So she's like purely evil at this point because he was just like swearing his allegiance to her in a lot of ways that he wouldn't leave her. Or did he say he had to go? I can't remember. I I don't know. He was trying to be nice. He was not a bad person. And even after he was stabbed, Akito runs away and then one of the maids comes out or house people and... um. He's like, go find Akito. He doesn't even ask for help for himself. Like, he's still worried about her. Yeah, but no, what he said is, why don't we make some changes in our dynamic and your dynamic in general? You don't have to be just stuck here alone. Oh, so he was suggesting change and Akito was like, no. (laughs) That's the no. That's when she stabbed him. Oh yeah, so the box. Anyway, the box. I'll just cut it out. I'll just know it was nothing. It wasn't a a magical anything. Like we're all hoping it's going to be magical and like whatever. No, it's not that. It was just. um, It was a representation, like a symbol of something that was supposed to try to give her some relief to her grieving her father when she was a little girl. Yeah. So this whole entire MacGuffin uh, that the mother wanted the whole entire time ended up being nothing. So that was her conclusion in a sense that she always thought like maybe ashes were in there or something and there wasn't. Yeah, she needed to let go. Also during that time, which I personally think maybe was what broke the curse. I don't know. Taru is falling in love with Kyo. Yeah. And she's really coming to terms with that fact that she is in love with him and she really wants to make sure that he does not go into this cat confinement thing at all. And it's her goal. It's not out of pity. It's because she truly wants to spend her life with him and everything. And she's kind of having some issues because she's realizing she's replacing all the love that she has for her mom for Kyo, which, okay, I get it. Yeah, we talked about this. It was odd for me to, I was like, that doesn't make any sense because your mom is different than, you know what I mean? Like there's different kinds of love for people, but it kind of clears up at one point of being like, she also was holding on to her mom in a way that wouldn't let her move forward to allow anyone else in her heart. It's like, even though she loves all these people, but it was like, oh, my mom's my number one, so I can't have anything else. But it's like, surprise, you can. You can still have love for your mom's memory and all of that and also find like a true romantic love as well. Right. And so she finally comes to terms that she needs to confess to Kyo that she truly loves him. And Kyo is kind of sensing it too. And that was not making him happy because that really, he struggles with that because he doesn't think he deserves anything. Yes, exactly. So emo. <laughs> oh my God. It's, he has so much trauma. Kyo is emo. So he emo. He is traumatized. 
he has this story that was told to him that he caused his mother's death. She killed herself. Well, he, he watched her jump in front of a train. Yeah, that's traumatizing. And he feels like it was because of him. It could be, but... Well, it's not because of him, though. He's a child. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Very true. But she was super, super protective over him to the extent where she was afraid that if he went outside, someone might find out the secret. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, so he knew he was like a freak or something. You get that vibe of like, she was so scared that they would figure out who he was. Like, how do you like yourself if your mom doesn't... You know what I mean? Yes. And the father was such a... Alcoholic. Alcoholic and was always yelling at her because they gave birth, you know, to Keo. So he wasn't helping at all. No, that poor woman's mental health was yeah, it's, just struggling. And her husband was abused, like verbally abusive towards her and emotionally abusive, I think. And so it just set her off into that a really dark place. But Keo took it on us. Like he caused all of it because well, his dad told him he caused it. So it's like... So sad. So that, I don't know. So anyways, that's part of the reason why he doesn't believe, I think, that he really should have someone in his life like Toru or anybody. Yeah, definitely. And so she confesses to him. And I think also the reason why it was more intense is because it was raining. (laughs) Always. It was like a rainy scene. Well, no, what I'm saying is when it rains for Kyo, that's where he has potential where he could turn into that monster thing. Oh. I forgot. Yes. So there was that. That's why he was like, I'm leaving. I can't handle it right now. There's too much emotion going on within me. He goes, do you love me? And she's like, yeah. He's like, oh, you're so stupid. Then he confesses all that stuff to her in the rain. Then he leaves and he confesses everything. Yeah. Like where he actually knew who she was. Knew her mom. Knew her mom very well. Yeah. Like they were like friends. Like he was a little kid. And she would chat with him. Yeah, during her breaks or whatever while she's at work or what. Yeah, or on her way home from work. Or so. She like, they knew each other. They were like in the same neighborhood. Yeah, and to the extent where he saw her death and she said something like, I will not forgive you and yes. pointed at him. In his mind, he felt like he could have grabbed her because the car was coming, like careening around. And then he got frozen because he's like, well, if I grab her and she falls into me, I'll transform in front of everybody. So then he just kind of froze up and she got hit by the car. He didn't cause it. I don't think he did anything wrong. I mean, that's scary that you were there, but... But he could have helped, to say the least. He could have, like, at least pulled her back a little bit. He could have yelled her name. Yeah, something. He move. <laughs> There's definitely different scenarios where he could have saved her in some way, but then... I guess the series wouldn't become a series. <laughs> you know, what if he just grabbed her hand and like swung her and threw her down a different way instead of... Anyways, he had <laughs> such a small time to think about it, though. I think that's where I give him some credit. And there's other people around, too. And he just didn't do it. Yeah, he pretty much had like less than three seconds. Yeah, it was split-second decision-making and he failed. Or not. I don't know. We don't know. So he has that guilt weighing on him this whole well because well actually he doesn't have the guilt weighing on him the whole time he suppressed that memory at one point yes it was actually seeing the hat that brought everything back together again yeah actually seeing it even though he kind of knew who she was and he was like oh who is this person can't be the same person 
obviously it was. And she was super nice to him. He's like, ah, get her away. Okay, so she confesses his love. And then he does the usual Keo thing where he runs away and says, I'm upset with you or I disapprove of you or whatever. Well, he says all that. And then Toru says, well, I forgive you. And when I not I not I forgive you, but like basically like that's fine. I'm still gonna love you no matter what. And then he's just kind of like peace out. Like I'm disappointed <laughs> in you, and yes. then he leaves. Toru, could you imagine? I couldn't. I'd be like, wait a second. That would have blown my mind that you saw my mom die. I was like, what? I could have saved your mom. I would need a beat. <laughs> I would need three days. To think about Don't you this. think so? All she is is obsessed with her mother. Her mother's death traumatized her. And then here's the person she's in love with being like, guess what? I was there. Could have saved her, but I didn't. She told me she'd never forgive me. I'd be like, what are you even like? It would have just flipped my mind out in such a way. I would not have been able uh, to respond. I probably would have decked him first. Right? First reaction. <laughs> I would have froze, decked him, and then said, I need to think about this. <laughs> You're like, I got to go through my... <laughs> Like stress response. I was like, so that was a little knee jerk reaction. It would be, I'd probably, I'd probably slap him or something. Yeah. Myself. I just don't know about, I'm going <laughs> to rethink my, um, if I was plans. yeah, let me just rethink <laughs> this for a little bit. Cause that's complicated. Yeah. And then maybe when I was in the hospital, I'd go, oh, you know what? I forgive him. Yeah. <laughs> that would need some, some, something, but it was pretty intense. She was very much, Toru style, like just leaning into love. <laughs> well, maybe that's what makes Toru Toru. Yeah, it does. It does. So, anyway, so he runs off. Akito shows up with a knife, which again, it would be something where I'd be like, oh, well, my life is in trouble right now. She's ready to kill me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Kyo leaves. You also said this, but I just want to say Yuki runs after Kyo. Shigure's not home. So he. Toru's all by herself, soaking wet in the rain. And then here comes wild-eyed Akito after she has stabbed one of the people closest to her. And she thinks she just murdered him coming up out of the rain. And Toru, what did she do? She's just like, hi. Like, she, <laughs> like hello. Akito explains why she doesn't like Toru and like how she's ruined everything. And Toru says a couple things and tries to make her... Go say, hey, look, no matter what, I will still think you're cool. I still think I love you because we could still be friends. And I don't think anybody's ever really said that to Akito, which really traumatized her even yeah, more. Well, yeah. she was like, shut up. You don't mean it. And so then she realized that maybe Toru isn't really this bad person as she thinks she is. Yeah, because it was a weird cracking point because she was so intent on that Toru was the enemy. And then here Toru's like, I'm not the enemy. And Toru went, oh no. Like she had this realization about Kito kind of like, you're this this lonely kid. Like you're just a sad, lonely kid like me. And so she's like, we're the same. And Toru was very much convinced that they were the same in the fact that they were both had loneliness in their lives and both really wanted love. And wasn't always going about it the right way. And so she was trying to connect with her. And Akito's like wildly slashing at her, right? With the knife at one point. Yes, kind of. And cuts her arm. And punches her like in the face. I think so. She hits her in the face twice. But then what happens? Like Akito runs 
And then Toru follows her. Basically what happens, they get to this point where Toru goes after her and she's like, I want to be your friend. No matter yeah. what, I know in the head. <laughs> but we could go through this with their friendship together. Yeah. Total peace offering. She puts her hand out. Then what happens? The cliff falls. Breaks. I thought Akito was going to push her off no. that cliff, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't trust her because she stabbed that other guy in the back. But, you know, this is the second time, like, the cliff has fallen and broken. The same spot. Is that where it happened before? Remember? Yeah. Because the tent was there? Not just the tent, but remember when Kyo turns into the monster? Yeah. And she falls off the cliff. Oh, you're right. <laughs> that cliff is bad luck, and she should not have been over there. But I did think at one point, I was like, oh, is Akito going to push her off this cliff because she can't? But she actually was going to take her hand in friendship. So just so you know, Akito did have a shift in, wow, yes. maybe I could, I don't know. Like, maybe I could have a clean slate with this person. So... Toru broke through with her, but also, like you said, the cliff broke off and she falls. <laughs> it looks very far. Yes. It looks like a good, like, 30 feet or so. She looks very dead. It looked very far. And so poor Akito's, like, screaming because she finally made a friend and her friend fell off a cliff. <laughs> and she's, like, passed out. So a long story short, let's just kind of wrap this up a little bit so we could like start complaining and I need to piss anyway. Um, <laughs> my tea limits up um, that. Okay. So Tardu ends up in the hospital along with Corno and Akito starts changing in the sense where she's starting to let go of the fact that she's this God and she wants to be friends with Toru. And she wants to move on from this whole entire family curse. Because one of the episodes, one of the last episodes, is the story of the actual story of the first banquet. And it's different. The cat wasn't not invited. The cat actually initiated the god to invite people over and was dying and so the god got scared and was like well i'm gonna make you guys drink this thing and so we'll be bond together forever and the cat was like no we don't need that like we don't need this kind of bond and everyone got mad <laughs> at the cat for that and ostracized him in his death but it really the message wasn't like we don't need each other it was just more like we don't need to be bound like forever this. like this right yes. like in, in, in that kind just of just let me die and we'll have this in our memories and that's good enough yeah anyway so she starts letting go and slowly but surely the curse starts breaking well not slowly but surely within a day or whatever yeah you see these like little strands like red strands right like breaking and then people being like <gasps> like <laughs> And crying. They're all crying because it feels really lonely all of a sudden. Yeah, it feels really lonely. But finally, Akito has one more family meeting. And she comes out as a girl instead of dressed up like a guy and says, this is who I really am. And I just wanted to apologize. Well, I can't apologize for all the I've done. But I am really sorry, and I'll try to... Well, she pretty much says she'll try to make it up to them in some way or another. Who knows? Yeah. But you guys are all free to do whatever you want to do, since the curse is now broken. Meanwhile, Kyo and Toru finally 
catch up with each other and finally like say that they love each other and that's when they, they realize the curse is actually broken so you kind of get that slice of life in it in a way mm-hmm. right there which is really exciting to an extent because it's finally happening and i liked how it wrapped up like how it just kind of many years down the future and it has their grandchildren well, first they have that whole like Kyo's like I want to go to this faraway place to study with more senseis or something like that. Yeah, so I could open and, up my own dojo. And then she's like, I want to go with you, or he invites her, but it's like I don't want to take you away from all your friends. She's like, No, I want to go with you, whatever. And then everybody's talking about going to the day of them leaving, but you don't see that day. You just hear them talking about it, and then like you said, it just skips forward to like their grandkids. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I, I did dig that ending, and it was kind of cute to see like the family pictures. Yeah, I liked that of them like getting married, and that was really cute. And they had grandchildren. Of course, they looked like Toru. <laughs> yes, I think a key aspect though in that ending too was Toru understanding everybody loved her. Yes, and that they will continue to love her even if she leaves, because she was like, "It's going to be so lonely." And then so that's why her and Akito were so. Cl- Similar, even though they expressed very differently their emotions <laughs> because they both really wanted people to love them and to be loved. You know what I mean? So let's take a quick break because I'm going to explode right now. <laughs> and I'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network.
And we are back and we're going to talk. Well, we're just going to have a conclusion, our thoughts on the series, the things I, we like and we dislike about it, because we're going to go into the prelude later. And so this is our like, would we recommend this series? I mean, of course, I'm going to recommend it and I reflected on it because my friend watched it before I did. And he said he didn't agree or he didn't like season three much. I thought it was just fine because I was geared up for, because I rewatched three episodes before season three and I watched episode 16, 17 of season one, which was a lot of drama too, (laughs) which always makes me cry. Like I just start crying instantly. Uh, In the first season? In the first season. It's about, I can't remember her name now. The blonde they call her Yankee in the original series, but yeah. So I was geared up for this drama. Like I was okay. ready for it. I was prepared because I watched the sad episodes already, and <laughs> I kind of knew. I was like, okay. Well, I didn't know, but I was kind of like, okay, we're gonna get into the like right now. You prepped for it. Yes, I will agree that I like the series. Like. As a whole. Like, why yes. would you watch all of it? Is season three my favorite season? No. No, it is not. And it, I really wish it was because it's the last one. So I wish it could have gone out on... It was just a complicated note it went out on. It was complicated. I think it needed to go out on a bang like that, though. And I wanted more magic. I did, too. There was, like, no transformations in season three. There was a couple. I don't even remember them. Yeah, though. exactly. There was, like, maybe one... I swear there wasn't any. Who transformed when? Keo, episode like seven or six or something like that. Okay. I just, so I wanted a little bit more of a, you know, like to wrap up the whole magic of the Zodiac, I would have loved a more like, just like you said, I like magic. I like that whole idea of maybe a final banquet of them being all like, agreeing to this is it we're done this is how the bonds break like a little bit more formal or ceremony but i also appreciate that the person who wrote this that she just made it very real life in a lot of ways i kind of liked how she had this final meeting and then all of a sudden it was just she was like i'm sorry i know i'll never be able to like get your guys's forgiveness for all the awful things i've done to especially the girls Mm -hmm. but I do apologize. Yeah, and it was so informal. The meeting wasn't even like, there was no food. There was nothing. It was just, they just gathered in a room. And I don't even think everybody, did everybody go? Shigure didn't go because he was playing her again because he bought her the outfit that she wore. And then he didn't show up to the meeting. Right. But he waited for her afterwards. He did wait afterwards. I guess he didn't feel like he needed to be there. You know, Shigure. I feel like he played on her feelings like to make her a little bit insecure. That's the whole entire thing. Like his character was so odd throughout the whole entire series to the extent where he was very unlikable versus the other version. Mm -hmm. I guess we already said that, but he was definitely like very pivotal of something. And then just so you know, the comic, like he has slept with Akito's mom. He has slept with Akito, but he's like in love with Akito. It was weird. Which brings more questions too, because I'm surprised he didn't turn into a dog when he slept with the mom or 
her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, in the Zodiac, it doesn't matter. But the mom's not a part of the Zodiac. Good. Oh my God. You, mm. there, you see, there's all these. Do you think if that even happened then? Do you think the mom just made it up? No, they slept together. Yeah. Oh. Anyways. So that was weird. We just have to really briefly touch on the fact that Momiji grew so much in what within one episode. Maybe it was like three months went by, but it felt like it was just one episode. He was a little boy. And then the yeah. next episode, it was like, okay, the new school year started and look at Momiji. Yeah. So it's a little bit silly, but then at the same time, I liked his, even though it was fast, his character development was like interesting because he became very independent. He was still sweet. He's still, he's like in love with Toru. He was a, he was a little bit instrumental in like making Kyo understand like, Hey, Toru's in love with you. And if you're not going to act on this, like I'll swoop in, like, I don't know what you're doing. I wish she, you know what I mean? Like he was like jealous but also he stood up to Akito as well because he was one of the early ones that the curse broke. And he just kind of told Akito like, what's what? Like just kind of confronted her. I was like, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, I'm going to do what I want. You could just like go ahead and be in this weird family curse. I'm going to go independent and <laughs> be me. Yeah, he became his own man. And he even saw his mom who doesn't remember who he is, of course, because heartbreaking. And he seemed to be at peace with that as well, of being like, okay, they're not my family anymore. I don't have to be the hangaround person. I'm going to start my own family. I'm going to start my own life. Yeah. And then Kyo, I think his arc was pretty interesting, but my biggest complaint was is like, okay, he's going to reveal the secret to her. And the fact that he was so excited to go see her and run so quickly like it was some emergency thing to talk to the girl i can't remember her name right now and i thought that was just kind of weird you mean yuki and machi machi yeah i Ugh, thought that yeah yeah yuki worst. i mean i'm sorry yuki yeah it was that was like okay that's kind of odd and overly dramatic to say the least he wanted to tell her his secret but then all of a sudden he didn't have a secret anymore right but he's like stay there i'm running right over Ugh. It's like, you yeah, know yeah they were so I felt like and then the whole like college thing like he was going to college great for Yuki for moving and doing things but then he's like here's a key so you don't think I'm cheating on you and I was like what yeah and then she was annoying I did not like her I was really hoping Yuki would meet somebody in college who was better but it was my dream my dream is they break up and he meets someone amazing in college Right. I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, he has a lot of weird baggage. I was like, I don't know if you need that. And then, but maybe he's trying to like. Maybe she'll change and become a better person like he did because maybe they were similar in some sense or another. They were. They had a lot of similarities. And then I do want to say my favorite outstanding character is Haru. He's my favorite character this season. Haru. Which one's the that? cow? He's got the white hair. I thought that it was Hatsuharu. Right? H-A-U-R-U? Yeah, yeah. Haru? He is so cute. He's so stylish. He's so in love with Rin. And she's also rad. And I love her. And I you know what I like her. I like her even more by the end because she's like, I don't know how you're all forgiving Akito because I can't. And I'm like, that's real life. Someone's going to have remaining trauma from this situation. Oh, of course. I mean, she got pushed out a window. And she was put locked up and she got her hair cut off. Right, her beautiful long black hair. Yeah, rude. So I thought it was cool that she was very honest about 
her feelings about it and that he was okay with that. He just gave her a hug. It was really sweet. So the conclusion of like, they don't know why the curse broke. It just broke. It was just kind of just there and that kind of lackluster to be honest. But that's okay, I guess. And I had to just accept it because I think sometimes things just need to be left a mystery. And when things are really over explained, it drives me insane. I can't. I don't want an over explanation. I just wanted a little bit of astrology magic in there calendar magic, whatever it is. Well, they did have the story of that what we talked about before of the banquet. Oh yeah, that was my small crumb of that's what happened. Sure, that's true. So maybe it was just a shift in mindset and that's what shifted all of it. So great. Like I said, I'm not against it. I just was like, it would have just been kind of fun. (laughs) And then I would have liked to see them all saying goodbye to Toru, but that didn't happen either because I guess it's it wasn't a goodbye. It was like, see you later. See, they visited through her life and it wasn't an end. It was a next phase. Yeah. My favorite character to me was her friend that read the waves, yes. Hana. And to me, she was like the coolest character. She sensed when Tori was having problems. Was her name Hana? Yeah, it's Hana. I think right? so. And how she just kind of like was always so helpful or like she was always so insightful. Didn't ever ask what she was going through. Didn't ever pry too hard. She was just there to help her out. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. They went on that group date to the zoo. Oh yeah. At the end. And they told Kyo, it's okay that you guys are going. That's fine or whatever. You know, they kind of gave their blessing. But I was like, isn't the other one leaving as well? Like, wasn't she going to go with... No. The blonde. She was leaving with what's-his-face. She never said she was leaving with... She said she was going to visit or whatever. In the hospital. Yes, I'll follow you no matter where you go. But we weren't sure if he was going anywhere yet. He bought like an apartment somewhere. It just felt like it got forgotten. I was like, aren't you leaving too, though? (laughs) Well, there's a yes and no. You don't know where he moved to. Yeah, that's true. Oh, he might have just moved away from the Somas, but does it mean he moved out of the city? Exactly. Okay, that's fair. He might have moved like maybe 30 minutes away or something. I wish there was a Hana spinoff. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be very... (laughs) It'd be funny to see like a side story of her just sensing these things, but right. not saying anything about it. <laughs> it's going through life. And because and her brother is also intuitive, right? Yes, very much so. I like them. I would love a little mini show about them. Yeah, we like the goth ones in here. It could have been in Gothtober. Surprise. <laughs> I know that we'll revisit this in Gothtober. <laughs> and the thing I hated the most about the whole entire series was the music. The music, <sighs> oh, God, it bothered me so hard. Oh, I kept on rolling my eyes. And it gets better in the prelude, but it still comes back. It does. I don't know how you describe it, but I know at one point when I was talking to you about this before I finished it, I was like, I had my fill of like this music with sad narration. They're just like retelling these sad tales of their terrible, traumatic lives. And I was on this music and I was like, what is this music? Is it like the same song or something? Yeah, it's the same song. I guess you said it was. 
it sounds like they're trying to recapture some of the magic of the original soundtrack, but they yeah. never grasp it right. They just don't get what made the original soundtrack good. And it's like the yeah. simplicity of it all. Even though they still use just a piano with some strings, they're missing the point of the music. And I think if they had some other type of music, even though the drama was really intense, it probably would have lifted it up just slightly. Yeah, because we never got like, and I was thinking when your friend said they didn't really like this, I was like, it's because one, you're not escaping this. No. Like this season doesn't help you escape reality. If anything, it like deepens you into like traumatic topics and themes that you're like, ah. but then the music doesn't help you like get any relief from it. So it's just difficult. And it's not good emotional music. It just made you more agitated. At least for me, it just made me feel agitated. Yeah, it, it made me like hate it more. Mm-hmm. And then the strange thing is, is like, even though it was like only two episodes, Akito did grow a little bit and she did decide to like be as a female instead. And I kind of like that. And Shigeru did stay with her. Yeah, like her choosing to be who she wanted to be because she wasn't even allowed to be herself and i guess i really wish shigure's character was shifted a little bit so we could feel good that they were together that he was going to help her through that process but if anything it just felt creepy so yeah i don't trust him because he was so slippery the whole time but i'm like i hope he has her best intentions because she needs like a team of therapists yes exactly she needs to be (laughs) medicated for a little bit and a team of therapists group therapy like she needs some stuff I do love the idea of those feelings of like empathy and love and compassion and unconditional love of being so important. And at first I was like, why would she pick Kyo? And why didn't she pick Yuki? But I was like, you know what? Kyo needed unconditional love. And that Tori was the only one who was going to match his self-loathing <laughs> with the opposite amount of energy of uh, love. Uh, here we go. His name is Kyo. His mom's name is Kyoko. Oh, and they both have red hair. I thought that was a little bit creepy too. Yeah, but I think she dyed her hair orange where he That's had naturally true. orange hair. Yeah, she looked more like Tori when she was a little kid. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we think you should check this whole entire series out as a whole. Oh, yeah. You can't not like Fruits Baskets. Just know the last one's deep and dark and it's like real it's not like oh that's a scary monster it's like oh no it's like scary trauma stuff that happens in real life and i've discussed this with you before but the thing that makes the manga so good is that there's these weird little notes on the side panels from the author and she kind of just talks about everyday life of like what she's doing or like why she chose the fruits basket game or like video games that she's playing and how much she loves playing that one game because it's some silly little dating sim and everything, which makes everything very, very lighthearted. Yeah, this was missing that. Yes, and I don't know how they would be able to implement that, but... I do. Okay. I just think they could have spoon-fed us a little bit of the love in a different way or tone or music or something in little spots to show a little more glimmering of hope because I do feel like our brains are wired to be kind of negative anyways. 
So we pick up and focus on the negative stuff. And so they just highlighted even the coloring. If they would have just toned even the art, just something would have just made it just feel a little brighter. Yeah. That's all. Just a tiny bit, like not trying to change her vision too much, but just to communicate that balance and like sit in that loving feeling a little bit more would have been helpful for sure. No, I definitely agree. That I think is what was really missing is this, this lightheartedness from the creator or something. I Mm -hmm. wish it was at the end. Cause the first version of this totally different, she hated it, right? She hated it. It yeah. did keep the lightheartedness and the little bit of silliness in there that I think was important. Yeah. The weird thing about the original series is was she was still writing it while the series was going on. Mm-hmm. I think she wrapped it up in like 2013 or something. And that came out in like in 2006 or whatever. Okay. That makes sense. Maybe then. even earlier. Well, this mom, like the mom issue is so huge in this. And so I wonder if she has something around her own mother. I'm assuming so. Because <laughs> it's deep. It's very, very <laughs> like, deep. There's a mom wound. But it yeah. is also just interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. I do feel like it's art and it feels personal. So I do like it for that. Even if it was difficult in parts of it, I think then it means it was good. And yeah, I'm glad I saw it and I'm happy that it concluded the way it did. I liked it personally, but yeah, it is very traumatic. And I did really like it. I love Fruits Baskets. So, yeah, exactly. Probably rewatch it again at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so Just rewatch again. episodes 16 and 17 on season one. <laughs> We'll just find all that Hana episodes and watch those at one point. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't cry during that part, then you know what? You have no heart. (laughs) 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 So we're going to take a break. We might make the prelude. Yeah, let's put the prelude in there. Should we? Yeah, I'll slap it all together or something. (laughs) All right. So we'll be right back. And we are back and we're going to talk about the prelude of Fruits Basket. Pretty much the conclusion until the Fruits Basket Another and Fruits Basket Three Musketeers comes out. Whatever that's going to be. I I don't know. Yeah, there's others. Who knows? So this... Prelude is just one episode, right? It's one hour and 30 minute 
episode. It came out on February 18th of 2022. It is 88 minutes. Pretty much the same crew. But if you watched season three, you could straight up skip the first 30 minutes of this because you really don't need to watch it. It's just all recap. Yeah, it's like a lot of recapping of Kyo's experience growing up, knowing Kyoko. Yeah, I mean, but it, no, like it literally is the last three episodes all meshed into one. Condensed in and yeah, like we woven to, like kind of woven together in a different way. A good 30 minutes of it. So you don't need yeah. to watch it. If you watched it, good for you, but you're not going to miss much. What you're really there for is how Kyoko and. Katya met, which is Teru's mom and dad. And it's kind of different than the way I expected because I always thought that Kyoko was a gang leader and she led a gang. Yeah. And she led a whole bunch of men and she chose to leave because she met this guy. And it just kind of turns out she was just a riffraff, much like her friend was, that wasn't a leader or anything. Yeah, she wasn't really a leader. She was in the gang, though. Yeah, she was in the gang. She was Crimson Butterfly. Yeah, totally. But I thought her friend always said that she was the gang leader. And that, that like was so badass. Like, she was so tough. And I guess she was at one point. Like She was just wild, pretty yeah. much. And she chose to go back to school for some reason. And she happens to meet Katia. And so there's a lot of, like, weird questions with this whole entire thing because she's going to middle school. Katya is a student teacher. So he's learning how to be a teacher. Yeah. At the time he was 23 and she was 15. So yeah, I mean And that's pushing it whatever junior high is. Yeah, but that's according to what the whole entire thing says. Okay. So it does say that she was 15. She was 15. Yes. Okay. So that's definitely pushing it. She wasn't going to school a lot, but she was still going sometimes or whatever. And her parents were very disappointed in her. Again, another set of really cruel people or the dad was kind of more on the cruel side and the mother just didn't seem like she could stand up for herself. So one day she's at school and she's in like the principal's office. No, they took her to a different room in general, maybe like a meeting room or whatever. Because, oh, because she showed up all beaten up or something? She showed up in her gang clothes. She wasn't wearing her uniforms. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, and then he's in there. Yeah, he happens to be there. Yeah, and that's how they met, right? Yep. And he asked her, like, what do you really want? What do you want in life? And she was so honest about it that he was like, okay, why don't I just get you out of here? You don't need to be here. You just need some food and you need to hang out and have someone to hang out with you and talk with you. And so more and more she would go to school just to go see him during lunch. Yeah, you're right. She wasn't going to school. She was only going to have lunch dates with this teacher. Yeah. Student teacher. Student teacher. The reason why he's allowed so much leniency is because his father was a teacher there. And was like a big name teacher, right? Big name teacher. Yeah, he was there for so long. Everybody loved him and everything. So that's probably how he got the job because they're hoping that he was going to be like his father or something like that line and work there too. And so 
he was just kind of, I wouldn't say flirting with her really, but he was just entertained by her where she was into him because he was so weird in a sense. Yeah, he had a... He gave me a sugary vibe a no, little bit. I wrote this because I take notes now. I should have. We need a live document to share notes. And what I do is I just write like words in here. And that's exactly what I got. Like he looked like Shigeru mm-hmm. and he acted like Shigeru. And a little bit of that, not yeah. as pervy like humor, or anything, but there was a vibe there that I was like, yeah, which I guess after watching season three, it made me real turned off. Like, I wonder if I gave this time and watched it later, I would have liked the relationship better. But all I could think of is like, she's too young. She's too vulnerable. You're older than her. You're not innocent enough. Like, you know, too much about the world. Is this manipulative? Yeah. The other funny thing is she even goes, do you have some type of Lolita complex going on (laughs) yeah he did she did kind of call it out so we kind of get the fact that she is a little bit mature for her age so he is helping her study she commits to getting her life together because of him so for years it seems like a couple years go by where he's helping her study for a ged equivalent or something along that line for the exams or whatever so she wants to finish school her parents are still not great and then her gang got mad at her, right? Yes. Got extremely mad at her and said that you haven't been around much, blah, blah, blah. So if you really want out of this gang, then you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. So they jumped her out of the gang and yeah. ended her in the hospital. <laughs> gang life. Yeah. Gang life. Definitely. That's what it is. And so she misses her exams because she was in the hospital. Classic. <laughs> Very much so. The classic story. Right. And so he was looking for her because he couldn't find her. But I guess he found out from the mother that she was in the hospital, but just got out. He happened to find her at her parents' house during the time when her parents were pretty much getting rid of her. They were disowning her. Yeah, they were disowning her. And he stood up to her. He's like, well, I'm going to marry your daughter and I'll send you the papers later. Because she's underage, so they probably had to sign off on it. Yeah, yeah. At this time, she's probably maybe 17 at the oldest. We're hoping. Still, yeah. <laughs> We're like, hoping. I, I don't you know. know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a story. They're in love. Yes, they're in love. Everything. They got married. They had Toru, and Toru is definitely Toru. Mm-hmm. And the strange things about this episode or whatever is the fact that like Toru is always imitating the father to pretty much get the love to make her mom love her more or whatever. But the thing that Toru is missing is the reason why he's so kind is out of sarcasm. And as a joke, he's not like overly sweet like Toru is. Yeah, I was confused because they talked about that in the last season that she mimicked her dad, but I didn't really notice it. Yeah, even in the first season, they mentioned it. Oh, I didn't really notice it in the prelude, though, because she's just a baby. Right, but she picked up on it because he passed away when she was like five or six, I think. Yeah, but so you think that when they said, oh, she speaks like him, because he was... When you meet him, all of a sudden you're like, not really. But other than the fact that he was very loving and he was very dedicated to Kyoko, 
Like he didn't give up on her because she's like some mean gang member. You know what I mean? Like he saw something in her. But his kindness wasn't... You don't think it was as genuine? It is genuine, but he was more sarcastic and like it was more like as a joke in a sense and sometimes. And then when Toru was doing it, she was doing it as an imitation, but it was in kindness. Yeah. And so when he did it, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to call you Miss No Brows and stuff like that. And he would say welcome home and all this other stuff, but it wasn't like how she would do it. Yeah. And she never got that. She never understood because she was too young to understand that. Yeah, that's fair. The reason why she did it was when he passes away, they said that she didn't look like him. She looked more like Kyoko with brown Mm -hmm. hair. So she said, okay, well, I'll act like him and take his verbal context or whatever. But it didn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense when you watch Prelude. Yeah, it does not. They didn't follow that very well. That was a very odd addition in there. His dad was tough. His family was disapproving of him marrying this young girl. The dad, though, softened with age and he was very sweet. Grandpa never... I mean, he was so old then. I thought he was going to look a little younger. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I thought the character was going to look a little bit younger. But we get the same grandpa we get from all the other seasons. The same character. And he is very sweet. And he so loves Toru. And he loves Kyoko. And he was, a, you know, like, kind of like the only parent that there was like a kind of like growth because he admits to have been kind of tough and thinking maybe his son resents him a little bit. And Kyoko was able to like, no, he doesn't resent you. Right. So that was kind of nice. One parent came around (laughs) and he was very supportive of them, which I think was important for their marriage because they were both young. I mean, I know he was older than her, but he wasn't that much older than her. So eight years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But he was only in his 20s getting married. Yes, that's very young. It wasn't like he's in his 40s or something. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he was still figuring out his because he changed careers and. All that stuff. Well, yeah. And, you know, the older you get, eight years isn't that far apart. No, no, exactly. So So, it's just not that teenager slash whatever range where you're like, oh, yeah, she's a little young. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess my question is I have to ask, he died of a cold. I'm wondering if it was pneumonia. I was hoping. I was like, he was young, he was healthy, and he coughed. And I was like, was it just the translation? Do you know what I mean? Like, did they mean pneumonia, not complications of a cold? And then they blame the death on Kyoko for some reason. Yeah. Well, that's because the rest of the family is really. Yeah. (laughs) I guess they were upset he died. And so they just blamed her instead of supporting her and helping her and Toru. So they isolated those two. Yeah. We even knew in the first season that the rest of the family, except for the grandfather is really. Yeah. Because they didn't even take Toru in when her mom died. Yeah, exactly. Well, he didn't have enough room. It's not like her aunts or uncles could have tried to figure something out for her. Right, exactly. So that's why she was forced into the tent in the first place. Then it skips over. Like, I feel like the mom is in grief. Yeah. And then what happens? I feel like all of a sudden it's back to the... You don't remember? No, I feel like it went back to like fast forwarding. No, not really. Okay, so the father does pass away. We went over that already, over complications Because he starts working for a pharmaceutical company. So he's working a lot. They decide that they're going to work on making another baby. 
as soon as he gets back. And then she notices that he's sick. She told him to go to the hospital. And he said, I'll go tomorrow, I promise. But I think he was just overworked. I'm thinking it's pneumonia. That's what I'm... That's what I have a feeling it was. But they never go over that. Once again, they leave all these weird things open. So after he dies... Kyoko goes into a hardcore depression, and the only person that's there for her is his father. Nobody else, because her parents were like, well, you know, don't bring the kid over. We don't need you. Yeah, and I still think it's more the dad than the mom, because I feel like the mom's just like a passive, like, follower. So she falls into a hardcore depression, doesn't know who's really there. All she can think about is her husband who passes away. And then she's ready to commit suicide. And then that's where she hears this kid walk by and remembers that she left her kid just standing there doing nothing. She's like, have I even interacted with my kid or anything? When was the last time I called her name or said anything to her? And that was when she was like, ah, I'm the worst mom of the year in a sense. Here I am (laughs) only thinking of myself. Yeah. And my kids just standing there looking at me like saying, what can I do? Yeah. Poor little Tori was just like watching TV or making her own cereal. Finally, eat. she. Yeah, exactly. And finally, she runs home and realizes that she needs to come home and actually be a mom. Yeah. Loving and doting mom. And that's where it pretty much comes all together. And that's where it ends because she realizes that, OK, well, I was really awful because I was super depressed. Understandable. And that's where Toru took on her father's, the way he talked and everything. So that's why I liked it. It was cool. A lot of drama. Understandable why there was a lot of drama. No, true, because of the age differences. It was nice. It did reveal some of the mystery of Toru's origins. And then didn't it end with going back to all of the like scenes, though, of her dying and... Of course, yeah, it goes back, yeah. and then it goes back, and but then it goes back to, uh, what was it, Toru and Kyo into today with them being married and together and stuff and kind of like living. In the future, like that. Well, we didn't say this in the, in the last part, but that, that I will never forgive you was clarified for us, not for Kyo and not for Toru. Toru just believes that her mom would never have said something like that or she didn't mean it that way. And Tori was correct. Like her mom was actually comforted by seeing Kyo's face when she was lying there in her blood because she knew she was trying to communicate to him that he better follow through with his promise of taking care of Toru or she would never forgive him. But he only heard the last part. Well, because that's the only thing she was able to mutter out of her mouth. Yeah, because she was dying. So, But that was what she was saying to him which makes sense in their relationship because he was such a precocious kid remember like name caller and stuff like that right. it was kind of nice that we got to hear that so it wasn't like a weird haunting image to us anymore right exactly so she really bonded with him so i guess that was good i didn't need them to have that connection to be honest i didn't need that no I could have lived without Kyo being there when she was dying. And I would rather have him just realize, oh my God, I knew Kyoko and I had promised to take care of her daughter. Like that would have been cute, but I didn't need the death scene thing. It's kind of stupid. It didn't do anything extra. It felt like to me, it was like shoot in. It's yeah, that's it's just too much. It's like, you know, an artist needs to like edit a little bit. 
Yeah, but when it's just you and maybe the illustrator or a team of illustrators and she's just writing the storyboards, much like Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, <laughs> it's just you and a small team. You get to see the art, but sometimes you don't get somebody to say, hey, you know, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> right? Or, you know, do a little bit of this. Yeah, it's leaning a little dark. Like, just balance it out a little bit more. So I think that could have been edited out. Yeah. Definitely the prelude, I think, is cool. It's definitely a good bookend for this part of the series. Will she come out with more? I think so. I hope so. I think Hana deserves more. And I think Haru and I think Rin healing would be a good thread to follow up on. Because there is the Three Musketeers arc, part one and two. There is Fruits Basket Another, which is a sequel. Oh, And so I'm really curious about that. That is only four volumes so far. There's a lot that we could be. I have to read those ones. Yeah, maybe we should. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting to look at. And you say it's on Crunchyroll? I'm assuming it is. I don't know. (laughs) So, okay, we watched this on Crunchyroll. No, you watched it on somewhere else. I watched season three on Hulu. Yeah. But Prelude wasn't on. I didn't see that on Hulu. It's just fun that there's more anime in different places. I agree. It's weird because when I rewatched it, for some reason I couldn't skip the intros and outros again. Crunchy Roll is so janky sometimes. It just, sometimes I can't get it right and it's so annoying. Yeah, I hate it. But <laughs> yeah, so check it out. I think I'm going to try to conclude this and wrap it all up and finish it soon. This might be our Christmas episode. I don't know because there's another episode I need to finish before I do this. And I want to do a Christmas one and I have an idea for it. And I'm going to talk to Santos about it a little bit later. Then no matter what, I will be watching Tokyo Godfathers at some point around Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's my Christmas Eve movie. Such a good movie. Yes. Anyway, you could find me... On all social medias under Glitch Unicorn, I have a Fiverr, it's under Extra Man. Find me there, Santos. And you can find me as Sister Santos on Instagram and on Spotify. And Crunchyroll. And Crunchyroll. I'm going to start playing around with that. Crunchyroll, I feel like it, it could get deeper. I have too many subscriptions. I need to get rid of some so I can focus. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you all next time.